This is Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Tuesday, October 31st, 2023. And today will be better than yesterday. Taylor Schwink and Sarah Abbott are back in Connecticut on Buster Only. I'm down in the hotel of the uh, where we're staying out here in Phoenix, guys. And as it turns out, we're staying in the ho- same hotel as the Texas Rangers and a lot of folks from Major League Baseball. So I got to keep my voice down a little bit, even though I'm down in the lobby. You didn't want to do your loud baseball podcast voice and be uh, like, can the Rangers survive without Adolis Garcia? I'm sure they would have loved right, that. Right. Well, 100%. Can you imagine if, like, on the other side of the wall is Andrew Heaney, who starts tonight <laughs> in game four, like, and then we, in post game presser, he's like, yeah, you know, I had a tough time today. I, you know, they had this idiot who was doing radio on the other side of the wall. That, uh, that would not be optimal. <laughs> Oh man! Well, I'm glad. Hey, you're up. We should we should set the stage here. So most of this podcast was recorded right after the game. You right. and Boog and Jess and Eduardo in the clown car buster on the drive back from the ballpark. That, of course, is the group that's doing the, the, this uh, World Series on ESPN Radio. So we talked to all them. We talked to Sarah Langs while she was in the press box uh, at the ballpark at Chase Field. And so I have a lot of analysis about what happened in game three. And there was a lot to talk about uh, with a game with a whole lot of twists in the bottom of the second inning. The Diamondbacks are trying to break through with the first run of the game. And this is what happened. The pitch. Swing and a line drive, slicing into right base in. Garcia up with it. Walker running towards the plate to throw it a bounce. Tag out at the plate. I think he might have run through the stop sign. Well, whatever it was, it went wrong because that was the first out of the inning made it home plate. We break this this play down in the conversation that we had in the clown car on the way back to the hotel last night. Sure enough, after the Diamondbacks made that mistake in the bottom of the second inning, Marcus Simeon did some damage in the top of the third. The 2-1. Swing and a ball drilled out towards left center field. Thomas racing can't get there. He'll pick it up on a bounce. Low is in to score, and Marcus Simeon has delivered the first run of the game. It's an RBI single to left center, and Texas is on top, 1-0. That rally would continue. The pitch. Swing and a high fly ball crushed. Right field. That one on its way, and that is gone. Home run over the right field fence for Corey Seager, and it is 3-0, a no-doubter as the Rangers shortstop unloads. That, of course, the voice of ESPN Radio during the World Series, Boog Shambi, the legend. Ketel Marte continues to do damage in the postseason. And a pitch. Marte swings, line drive, off the glove of Simeon, and it rolls out into right field. A base hit for Ketel Marte. That was 105.8 miles per hour off the bat, and it looked like it was knuckling on the way to Simeon. It hits off his glove, and he couldn't even believe that he did not catch it. But the Diamondbacks would not score in the bottom of the seventh inning. Arizona threatened again, and this is what happened. 3-2 on the way. Swing and a miss. Struck him out. Spores gets Thomas, and Pham left stranded at second. Finally, against Aroldis Chapman, with nobody out in the bottom of the eighth, the Diamondbacks broke through. The kick to 2-1. Swing and a line drive into left field, base hit. Rivera to third, around third on his way to the plate, and he's in to score. Perdomo, an RBI single. The Diamondbacks answer back. 
And then the Rangers got really lucky. He had Cattell Marte, guy who's red hot, at the plate, and this happened. Here's the pitch. Swing and a ground ball to short. Seager to his left, picks it up, goes to second one, on to first, two! Oh, what a turn! Seager sliding up the middle, gets it to Simeon, and a 6-4-3 inning-ending double play. Spectacular defense. On a ball hit, 114.4 miles per hour. What it's turned by Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon. Here was the call in the bottom of the ninth inning. The kick, the one-two. Swing and a miss, struck him out, and Texas wins it. 3-1 the final, and game three belongs to the Rangers. Right after the game, I talked with Rangers shortstop Corey Seager. Corey, you guys are 9-0 in road games in this postseason. How do you explain that? Um, you know, we're just coming ready to play every night, you know, no matter where we are. Um, that's just really all the focus is. All right, in the bottom of the eighth inning, you got Marte at the plate, runner at first base, and a rocket's hit up the middle, 114 miles per hour. Take us through that play. Um, you know, just trying to make the play. You know, I think Marcus did a better job than me with the turn and the transfer and all that. So props to him, props on Chapman on making a good pitch, and we got out of the inning. What did you see from John Gray tonight? Yeah, you know, he's the, he's the hero today. You know, he came in kind of cold, wasn't ready, and then threw three or four good innings for us. You know, that was huge for us. Dolores Garcia has meant so much to you guys. How much concern do you have as you're going to the clubhouse tonight about his status? Um, I mean, we'll figure that out when we do. But, yeah, like you said, he's a big part of what we've done this offseason or this postseason. So it's uh, we're hoping that he can be out there tomorrow. Corey, thanks. Thank Back you. to you. I should have mentioned that during the course of the uh, game highlights, Dolores Garcia had to come out of the game immediately, took a swing, and immediately grabbed his left side. Uh, and this was a few innings after Max Scherzer had to come out of the game before the start of the fourth inning because he also had discomfort. It was John Gray who came into the game. He pitched innings four, five, and six, and I spoke with John right after the game. John, tell me how you learned about Scherzer having the issue on the mound and what's going through your mind when you get that call. Well, I saw it happen from the bullpen, and I I couldn't really tell what happened. You know, I knew a ball hit him, obviously, so uh, right then and there, a few of us got up and started moving. We kind of knew that, you know, there was a possibility that he might come out, so... Uh, I know it tightened up on him. I hope he's feeling fine, but uh, but it was still it was nice uh, getting an opportunity to call on and uh, go out there and do a good job. You've thrown 41 pitches in 34 days leading up to this in games. How did you get warmed up so quickly? How did you look so comfortable so quickly? I'm just really trying to simplify everything. You know, I'm, uh, with starting, there's a whole lot a whole lot more thinking involved. But uh, the bullpen, I mean, I kind of know my role. I know what I'm supposed to do, and I just feel like things become a lot simpler. All right, you guys so far in this postseason, 9-0 in road games. How do you explain that? I don't know. I don't know if we just make really good villains or what, but, hey, I mean, we're doing it, and uh, it's really good to do that. How much concern is there, you think, about Adolis Garcia as you guys go forward? Uh, yeah, you never want to see that. I never want to see anything like that, but, uh, you know, um, hoping the best for him. You know, I'm sure that I'm sure that everything's going to be okay. He'll be back with the team, but then again, you know, we're, we've got to focus on what we got to do. To, to shut them down. I mean, they're a good ball club. We got them for a few more games, so we got to take care of business. Corey Seager in this postseason, what have you seen from him? <laughs> more emotion than I've seen out of Corey. <laughs> I don't know how long, but, uh, man, it's a lot of fun watching him. I mean, every time he comes up to the plate, you're just kind of waiting for that sound. And, uh, man, he's, uh, he's a fun player to watch. John, thanks. Back to you. Diamondbacks manager Tori Lovello was not happy about some missed calls that went against the Diamondbacks, and you could just hear him holding himself back. Give a listen to this. I mean, I'm not happy about it. I know that 
if they were off the plate and there were missed calls, they got to tighten it up. Just this the same as ever. I'd say that to everybody, but I will say this: that the umps are doing their absolute best. Um, ball's moving at high velocities. It's, it's getting manipulated at home plate. But yeah, there there were some um, calls that didn't go our way today. Was that the difference in the game? I, I don't know. I don't think so. They took advantage of it. Let's put it that way. If they were missed calls, they took advantage of it and won the baseball game the way they needed to. Rangers manager Bruce Bochy gave updates on Adolis Garcia and Max Scherzer. Right now, we're going to uh, just evaluate him. Uh, Dolly will get some diagnostics done, see where he's at. Left side tightness, uh, we're being optimistic there, but we'll know more tomorrow. Uh, same with Max. Uh, Max took a pretty good shot on the elbow. That's what we were concerned about, but it was his low back that tightened up on him. He just couldn't go anymore. And same with him. We'll see where he's at the next 24 hours and decide uh, where we're at with him. Dolis Garcia actually left the ballpark very quickly right after the game. Max Scherzer stayed at the ballpark and talked about his injury. I'm in full spasm. Um, you know, it's locked up pretty good. So the way you know, I've had spasms before. The way this kind of goes, you know, tomorrow will be sore, and then you, it's that it's second day. The second day will let you know where this is at. You know, are you starting to show improvement, or are you in the same position? So that's the history of, for me with getting spasms. Is you know that 48 hour mark, you kind of know where this is going. A couple of other notes. Yesterday, Aaron Judge was awarded the uh, Roberto Clemente Award. He was actually at Chase Field to receive that. Frank Howard passed away at age 87. He was a home run champion. He was a World Series winner at 382 home runs during his career. You know, he was a longtime coach in baseball, and there were times with the teams that he would coach where he'd go out to the field early, and Frank would be walking just lap after lap after lap around the field. He had a reputation, like Frank Robinson, as just being the greatest guy. So he saw on social media yesterday a lot of his former teammates, people who knew him in baseball, reacting with sadness, Frank Howard passing away at the age of 87. Taylor, what else you got? Buster, new episode of the College Game Day podcast. Uh, Reese, Pete, and uh, Bill Connolly, they dive into Michigan sign-stealing. Pete calls it the defining story of this college football season, said it's one of the wildest things he's ever covered. Check that out, College Game Day podcast. You can watch it on YouTube. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you gotta check out NextGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, Ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes. The clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. 
Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECT-TV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. All right, I'm in the clown car uh, on the drive back. Okay, we've got Boog Shambi, we've got Eduardo Perez, we've got Jessica Mendoza. Rob Kelly is driving our producer. God bless him. Yeah, uh, and so, Boog, we'll just start with you. We'll hit it directly. Yeah. Uh, from your perspective, what was your biggest takeaway from Game 3? John Gray. John Gray is my biggest takeaway. Just coming in and just absolutely shoving. I mean, look... You didn't know what you were going to get from Max Scherzer realistically, but you got three scoreless innings, and then Gray came in and just quieted the game, and especially when Texas had the lead. I thought that that was the big thing. One other subtlety that I would say, look, we talk about Arizona's a good defensive team. Texas is a good defensive team. They threw a guy out at the plate. The middle guys turned a pretty spectacular double play in the eighth inning. Um you know, if you were coming up with a list of the five best defenses in baseball, I think you'd go Blue Jays, Brewers, Diamondbacks. I think you'd talk about the Rangers as well. These are really good defensive teams. So that's that's something that definitely jumps out at me, those two things, Gray and the defense. And as the phone is going over to Buster, I have to grab it to give it over to Buster. Uh, the good thing is this. Texas Rangers, Gold Glove finalist, shortstop at second base, at first base and right field, they all played a major part. So I guess I'd have to explain this now <laughs> in terms of where the phone... So I'm in the way, way back because yeah, I've got are. the shortest legs yeah, in the car, okay? And then in the uh, in the front seat is Boog, and then Eduardo and Jess are in the uh, in the second row. So that's why we have a little row. bit... Woo! All right. <laughs> Jess, what about you? <laughs> Jess, what about you? What's the takeaway from tonight? You know, I feel like Corey Seager was the MVP, not just because of the two-run home run. I know they touched on the defense, but his... Stop, because that's what it felt like. Like literally, shortstop stopping, dropping to a knee, catching 114 mile an hour ground ball behind him to turn that double play, which just ended the rally. And you felt the air leave the building. So yes, the guy can slug, and his two run home run ultimately is the difference in the game. But it was the defense of Corey Seager there in the end that ultimately just absolutely stopped the bats of the Diamondbacks. I feel like the political fact check here, it was 14.4. Let's not take away the .4 because that's the level of difficulty on that one. Jess, you're on point. Yeah. You're right. And, and, and again, the defense plays in a major way. Corey Seager, does he take a pitch? Does he take a strike? Anything in the zone, Buster? Because it has been unbelievable. Our man Boog has to be on point first pitch every time they throw it to Corey. And we'll find out as we go forward uh, whether or not Adolis Garcia will be batting behind Seager, you know, how much uh, impact that potentially could have on Seager and how the Diamondbacks pitch. But for tonight, just to, about Seager, you know, I was talking with some evaluators earlier today, and they mentioned that they felt like the reason why Seager's defense has taken a big jump this year is because the team is doing better. Uh, the He's got a second year now playing along Simeon, and there's attention to detail. They feel like that his focus has been better this year. You know, what we heard from Bruce Bochy, their, their uh, manager earlier today, was that he's got a great clock when he's playing at shortstop. So that was a huge play in the eighth inning. And now 
you know, going forward, it, it really feels like there's just so many questions about the Rangers, even though they're ahead 2-1 to one in this series. Is Garcia going to play? Uh, is Scherzer going to be able to pitch uh, going forward? Even Spores, when uh, he, you know, was on the mound today, the athletic trainer came out to check on him. And Eduardo, it feels like that game four will be an absolute, as we said on radio, a kitchen sink game where both managers are going to be looking for heroes. A hundred percent. And, you know, let's give Bruce Bochy a lot of credit for leaving a Rhodes Chapman in. Uh, in that situation where the ball was hit at 114.4, I thought he was going to, I thought he was out. I thought it, this is where he has gone the entire postseason to Leclerc. He's had a short leash on Chapman the entire time. He gets a huge double play to, uh, a huge double play in that moment. And that, those are the things that just you have to circle moving forward because you were able to economize on Leclerc. I'm not too concerned about Scherzer not being able if he can't go anymore in this series. I think John Gray's answered that big question of can he start and give them maybe 45 to 50 pitches next time out? I think he can. And we, we sh- we've seen what he can do. We've seen what Heaney can do as well. Look, they got da- they got Dunning as well that can give them innings, and they're going to lean on those guys come to, uh, come for Game Four. Yeah, there was a report early in the afternoon of Game Three that Gray was going to get the ball in Game Four, but when when we met with Bruce Bochy before Game Three, he made it clear that they hadn't made that decision. Uh, you know, Cody Bradford is an option. Andrew Heaney is an option. Dane Dunning, as you said, Eduardo, maybe he's an option. So a lot of questions there. It feels like that their circle of trust is kind of tightening as the series goes along, which seems to happen. Uh, Jess, from your perspective, uh, when you saw Dolis Garcia go down, you saw the replay of uh, him grabbing at his side. What was your sense about whether or not he'd be available the rest of the series? Well, I think anytime you see, you think oblique, and as much as it's left side tightness, if it has anything to do with that oblique muscle, he's done for the rest of the series. And that, I don't understand how the Texas Rangers continue to do what they've been able to do without his bat in the lineup. And a lot of it's the threat that he brings. And as much as Marcus Simeon, it was good to see his bat come along. Corey Seager has been unreal, like he has always been in the postseason. But you need another bat further down to kind of extend it, especially with the slug. I mean, he is a huge part of this Rangers identity if his bat is missing in this lineup I think it's a completely different Texas Rangers lineup one through nine Boo, what's your feeling about how they're going to respond if Garcia's out so I come at it probably a little differently I I just I I look at these games and you're asking them to win two games without Adolis Garcia they can do that easily I I just think that over the, the loss of a single player or even two players over a short sample, I just – and I totally understand why we do it, but I think we overstate it. So, like, it makes it harder for them. But, I mean, we've just seen too many weird things happen where – I mean, Jonah Heim might hit two homers tomorrow. Uh, you know, Nathaniel Lowe might come up huge. I So I, they need to win two games to win the World Series – I think they can do it. Um, I think they can do it if Scherzer doesn't throw another pitch. I think they can do it if Spores doesn't throw another pitch. I don't think it'll be easy, but you're two games away from from winning it all. And during a regular season, they've been able to win games without Adolis Garcia, without Max Scherzer, and without Josh Spores. So I think that's the way you got to look at it too. But I, I think that they'll 
they'll end up being fine. And I think that they're fortunate that tomorrow is the kitchen sink game for for both teams. So I still think that even with the injuries that the Rangers are in really good shape. Boog, earlier in the game, uh, Christian Walker's thrown out at home plate, violating one of the cardinal rules in baseball. You do not make the first out of an inning at home plate. Uh, and it's interesting, as the game's going along, there's a major league coach who texted me and said, that we might look back at that as being a turning point in this series. What would you make of that play? Yeah, I, th- I mean, I will tell you this. I think that, again, inside the clubhouse, they'll probably have a better idea. But Walker didn't get a good jump. I think, you know, we haven't, and I'm not big on doing this, but you at least got to look at Tony Perez Chica in terms of, you know, he's got to be able to read, did he get a good jump in that spot? And he went, send him, send him, send him, stop sign, send him. You know, in that spot, we probably need to be looking at, you know, should he have just said, okay, hang on. Um, so I, it's, uh, Look, that's a really hard job because it's really rare that you ever hear a long discussion about, you know, it was really good tonight. The third base coach sending that guy that scored. That was a great play. We only talk about the third base coach when somebody gets thrown out. So, but we're, I'm doing it right here. So, um, yeah, it was a big play. I think it was just a, it was just such a big swing you know, for that to happen and then the Rangers to come back and score right away. I thought that that was the really huge thing. Jess, Eduardo, you guys want to talk about what uh, what you feel like he did wrong, Walker did wrong on that play? I mean, I felt like you got to understand where the outfield is. That's like first and foremost. You get to second base, you scan the outfield, and to be honest, this, the Diamondbacks do a great job of that. Christian Walker usually does a great job of that. And these moments come down, especially when you're not the speediest of runners, to that split-second understanding of when this ball is hit, it is going to fall, and I'm going to get a great jump. And when you are a bigger dude and you slow yourself down and then have to restart, that is when him coming around third base, it should have been two hands up stop sign I agree with Boog absolutely we're not sending you because you didn't get the jump that you needed and not only that as a third base coach you're taught well it wasn't directly at him it was to his right he had to take a few steps to his right and that was Adonis Garcia that had to do that and that's why immediately he started sending him he should have just waited I think he got a little antsy that's Tony Perez Chica sending him first and then putting up the hands and when he put it up the problem was this Walker had his head down wasn't looking at him at all uh, with that bad jump, ended up just um, making a bad decision, bad play, fundamental baseball, something that the Arizona Diamondbacks, with their aggressiveness, have really done a good job of. And unfortunately, this time it stood out early on in the game. All right, guys, now toward the end of the game, I'm usually down the runway waiting to go on the field (laughs) to ask players questions relevant to what happened in the game, and I can't even see what's happening on the field. And so I heard the crowd go nuts on that uh, disputed strike call on Gabby Moreno. I got some descriptions of it afterward, but from your guys' perspective, tell me how big of a call that was in the moment. How bad was it? Because after the game, Tori Lavello, when he was asked a question about it, you could hear him gritting his teeth. Like he was holding himself back from saying anything about it. He talked about he knows that people are listening. He doesn't want to dump on the umpires, but he was clearly furious. He made reference to the fact that he might go back to his office and start throwing his hat around. I I don't blame him one bit. I mean, for a crucial situation like that, we made even the comment of this is where most likely the ABS system, the challenge system is going to have to 
play a major role in the future. Uh, the ball was clearly outside. It was a cutter, 3-1 pitch. It would have been ball four. Gabby Moreno, who's had a very good eye his entire this entire season, had ball four, knowing that number four and five hitter are coming up after him. Tommy Pham has been a hot hitter this entire time. Things play differently with a runner at first. It puts a lot of pressure. The defense has to play differently in a double play depth that will open up the hole. Uh, it was an unfortunate call, but at this level, at this stage, it's just hard to swallow. The biggest weakness of Jose LeClerc has been the command. And when you walk the leadoff batter, it changes your confidence. It changes how you pitch with conviction. After that, he was able to ride the four-seam fastball up in the zone, get chased, use that electric slider that he has to be able to pitch that pitch with the conviction he had instead of trying to be careful. So when that, when Gabby Moreno walks... It absolutely changes Jose LeClerc. I mean, we've talked about it from the Diamondback side, the fact that you have Walker and Pham. But for Jose LeClerc, you're talking about cleanup and the number five hitter coming up, and you don't have your best stuff. You just walked the, you did the biggest no-no that you can do in a closed situation. And that's exactly what he did, but he did not get the call. Boog, we've seen situations in the past where one play in a prominent game gets a lot of attention. Obviously, the Chase Utley slide led to a change in rules there. Could you see a moment like that sort of fueling the conversations about ABS? And how do you feel about a challenge system? I mean, I like the challenge system. I, I If you were to ask me right now, I think that we're never going to go to full, uh, you know, non-human umpires. I think the challenge is, is, you know, as close as, as we're going to get. Um, I, I don't know how soon it's going to come, man. I have a hard time. It's weird because like, I agree with everything that Justin Eduardo just said, but I also feel like, gosh, these calls are difficult. And it, I, even, you know, when I'm doing games, I guess more on TV, you know, I I find myself kind of cringing at myself when I'm sitting here saying that was definitely a ball. I mean, that was definitely an inch and a half outside after a guy just threw a 97 mile an hour fastball. You know, it's like you. And again, what do you want? Do you want humans? Do you want robots? And the machine isn't going to be perfect every time either. Um, I do think that the one thing that I believe in is if you really want to deconstruct it there I'm sure that there are calls in other spots you know because it's leverage we're, we're going to focus on it more but I'm sure there were calls in other spots that we could have taken issue with and other opportunities I just I feel like I mean Arizona there's the starter came out of the game after three innings for the other team you got to take advantage there. And I would still say, even with Moreno, if if that ends up getting called, and I agree with, like I said, everything um, that Jess and Eduardo said, I would say you still would say that the probability is they're probably not going to score there. So, I, you know, I, I just, I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm soft and backing off on the umpires, <laughs> but I, I, like, I, I, you know, to me, that was a ball, and it should have been ball four. I just feel like that throughout the game, there are always going to be opportunities and not just in the late stages. So that's what I got. Who knew you were going to be a softie? Yeah, it's very uh, yeah. I, just just uh, throw my two cents here real quick. 
This is the big leagues, though, and I think a lot of people want the calls to be right. Ask Deckinger, ask Jim Joyce, uh, you know, ask any umpire. They don't want to have that on their on their shoulders anymore if it can be gotten right. And I guarantee you if Alfonso Marquez sees the play, sees the call, he wants to get it right. And that's why I'm off for that because I've seen instant replay change the game for the better. And if we have the technology, we've seen it in tennis, let's use it here. All right, last one for you guys. I just want you to yell at your answer on this. In game one, the Rangers have that big comeback and they win. In game two, the Diamondbacks blow out the Rangers. In game three, the Rangers win on the road again, 9-0 and on the road in the postseason. Does anybody feel hard momentum for either team right now in this series? Eduardo? No, I don't. I think this is a repeat right now to the day of what happened in 2001. Jess? We're going six, seven games because the momentum keeps shifting. And even though the Rangers are up one, the Diamondbacks are definitely going to win more games. Boog, use that legend voice. I have never seen Uncle Mo. I don't feel Mo in any direction. I have no idea what's going to happen. I think we're going seven. (laughs) Thanks, guys, from the clown car. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11 ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with Code Baseball. That's Code Baseball. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Buster. Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Numbers Game with Sarah Langs. Sarah Langs, reporter producer from MLB.com and currently at the ballpark uh, still. I think you're closing down Chase Field tonight, huh? Uh, you, you are late. I'm back at the hotel. We've taped with Eduardo and with Jess and with Boog, and you're still hard working at the ballpark, Sarah. You know, you got to do what you got to do. You know how the post game timing works, but this is not the first time I'm podcasting with you from the Cheatsfield Press Box. If you remember during 
the WBC when I was here back in March. I'm podcasting with you during a game, sitting in my seat because there weren't that many people there. And Team Mexico, led by Alex Thomas, who was in this World Series, had a huge rally. And I think I apologize every other word during the podcast until it promised me that you guys did not hear the background noise. But I am still retroactively stressed out about that one. (laughs) So tell me today, I saw you on the field again before. Tell me someone that you got a chance to talk to today, you got a chance to meet, because it's been fun for you to do that. It has been. I actually got a chance to talk with Mookie Betts before the game. He was here with MLB doing stuff for the uh, social team. And he came over and he was like, oh, so you do the set? And uh, someone said, you know, what's your best Mookie set? And uh, also, so did you just whip it out off the top of your head? I did. So I gave him a set about how he had four games this year where he started at second base but still had an outfield assist. And nobody had ever done that as far as that has been tracked the Paramus with like two. And he was like, wow, I didn't know I had four games like that. So I thought that was a great way to represent just how versatile he was. So it was fun to uh, tell him that for sure. Taylor, how nuts is that? Like uh, on cue, (laughs) he calls in when Mookie Betts walks up and like, got any Mookie Betts? Well, in fact, I do right off the top of my head. That's kind of crazy. Oh, my God. Ultimate Sarah moment. We've gotten some good ones here at the end of the year. I got to be honest, you've really been informed, but this is is incredible. I got to say, too, with Mookie, I, I know he was on the field. He was doing interviews. Did he come over to interview you? No, no, no. He just came over to say hi for a moment. But yeah, okay. he was doing Big interviews time. and all that, uh, you know, media stuff. It was fun to see him in action doing all that. Sarah, if, if that had been captured on tape, <laughs> like you would have been a legend forever. <laughs> like he drops it and you drop this obscure movie bed stat on him like that. I cemented, you know? Uh, all right, let's play the numbers game. Number three. Number three is 68. So obviously tonight's game, game three, was really crucial because we had a tie series entering the game. So in all best of seven postseason series that were tied 1-1, the team that won game three, so in this case the Rangers, has gone on to win the series 68 of 99 times. That's 69% of the time. And the teams that have done that on the road, in these series with the current 2-3-2 format have gone on to win that series 29 of 39 times, which is 74%. So certainly a really important victory for the Rangers. Number two. Number two is nine. So another thing that that win gave them was their ninth win on the road this postseason. They've yet to lose. And obviously not that many teams have played nine games on the road in the postseason. They were the 13th to do so. But they're the first team to win at least nine games on the road in a single postseason. And they still haven't lost one. So Salt Lake, they're 9-1, 9-2, they're 9-0. And that has been really key to their success. We thought in, uh, especially in the LCS, we're the only one on the run. Number one. Number one is 18. So three runs uh, in this game on the third inning, and two of those came on a Corey Seager home run. So he now has 18 home runs. 
I'm Carlos Correa from the second most binary short up in postseason history. Only two behind Derek Jeter, who had 20. And it was 114.5 miles an hour off the bat. Really one of those home runs you can hear. It was the hardest hit home run in a World Series game since Zach Aston been tracking, which goes back to 2015. And by the way, his home run in game one is tied for fourth on that list. He has actually hit three of his seven hardest hit home runs of his career regular season or playoffs in this postseason specifically. So we already know that he's really beast in the playoffs, but he's been bringing that to another level in certain ways. So John Gray, uh, I talked to him after the game, and he said he's seen Seager play with more emotion than he ever has before yeah. in, in any time, which is kind of fun. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see if he gets anything to hit the rest of the series if Adolis Garcia is, in fact, out. You know, after we got done taping the pod on the drive back, I could walk into the hotel lobby here, and there is Shane Victorino, the flying Hawaiian who is here at the game. You probably saw him out on the field uh-huh. at some point. Uh, and, and I was like, okay. Uh, you know, Shane, do you think that they're going to pitch to Seager anymore if Garcia is not there? He goes, absolutely not. Uh, you know, the great thing about Shane Victorino is totally definitive about everything. But his point was, he said, it's going to be just like the 2013 World Series with David Ortiz when they're going to throw the ball like 20 feet away from the strike zone and say, if you want to chase it, go ahead. I looked it up as you were uh, as you were talking. Uh, Ortiz in that series had eight walks in six games. Wouldn't shock me if that's sort of the treatment that Seager gets the rest of the way. What about you? Absolutely. And then they'll really be contingent on guys like Evan Carter, Nathaniel yes. Loach, really step up. We saw Marcus Semien kind of start to get out of that rut today. He had that first RBI hit. Yeah, and Christian Walker, kind of the two guys who've been struggling on either side, had a hit, but. To me, a lot of that pressure goes to Carter just because he has put himself in this situation by being so good. So they certainly have a lineup that even if Corsi goes on first base every bat, they can still score runs. They can use that to their advantage, but we'll see if they're able to do so. All right. You you wowed Mookie Betts. I'm going to throw one at you and see if you got this one, okay? Uh, uh, the double play ball. That was hit at Corey Seager, 114.4 miles per hour. How does that compare to other 6-4-3 double plays in terms of the velocity of the ball off the bat? Well, I don't have that in my head right now. Although <laughs> I, can look up, I thought it, it all just went directly into your brain, Sarah. It was either the hardest or second hardest hit ball for an out this postseason, though, of any kind. So it's certainly something, and you certainly felt that in that moment where when you heard that uh, contact, you thought something was happening there, and then no dice. Yeah, uh, Seeger said after the game when we talked to him that actually he thought Marcus's side of that double play was tougher than his was. And I'm like, yeah, okay. 114.4 miles per hour. And by the way, you'll appreciate this. The most ex- before the game, I'm in the clubhouse, the most expensive. And I don't, well, I don't want to say it that way. It was the, uh, the, the, the best paid game of spades I've ever seen in my life. In one corner is Corey Seeger. Okay. Uh, and a foursome who of course is playing a $325 million contract. His partner was Simeon who's $175 million contract. 
Uh, the th- third of the four was Jacob deGrom, hundred and eighty-five million dollars. Oh my gosh! And then the fourth one was uh, Josh Smith, who's making like seven hundred and twelve, seven hundred thirty thousand dollars. So, oh my goodness! Yeah, how about that for a, a spades game? Yeah, how about that for some numbers, right? Oh my gosh! <laughs> All right, Sarah. Always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for having me, Buster. Bleacher Tweets. Alrighty, Buster. Bleacher Tweets for Tuesday. Connor at Soccer10K84 writes in Buster suggesting we add the ghost runner to the playoff games. Might be the reason, might be reason enough to unsubscribe from the podcast. NFL and NHL both have different overtime rules in the playoffs than regular season. Not a big deal. You're catching some flack here, Buster, in the in the bleacher tweets. I know. I know. You knew it. I, I say I, I I do think it's better if uh, baseball plays under the same rules the entire season. All the teams are used to it. Uh, they all are accustomed to it, and they all know the strategy going into the tenth and eleventh inning. And I like the I, I like the drama of it, having a guy in scoring position in extra innings. And I also think it's better than say a seven hour broadcast. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, Blake, what do you at, think? Um, yeah, you haven't really chimed in. Nah, I don't. I don't like the 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 ghost runner in the playoffs. I like it a lot during the regular season, but I I like I don't like it during the postseason. Okay. Yeah, Blake Murphy agrees, uh, or you know, agrees with Connor and says by far the worst take by, ever by Buster on the pod. Absolute Halloween nightmare. So there you go, Buster. Um, an untrained oh, well. guy, right? Yeah, I think you'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll be okay. And then I think everyone will get along. It's just that, you know, as you're going along, I would say this, what an improvement for the, for the game, for the sport in the, in the postseason that these games are being played in three hours. Yeah, it's awesome. It's totally, it kind of took me by surprise, um, you know, at the start of the postseason, but last night working late, you kind of can, I was setting my clock. I knew when the game would be over. It was great. Uh, An untrained eye writes in this series is three and oh, if Corey Seager does not play for the Rangers, do you agree with that? Three and oh, he has right now. He's the front runner to be the MVP. There's no doubt about that. You know, that uh, game time home run in game one, the home run last night. Uh, If Texas wins, I think Seager has got a leg up to have a second world series MVP. And, you know, on the flip side, if Arizona comes back, I think Merrill Kelly is in a great position to win that award if he pitches again, if pitches well again in game six. Corey Seager with that sick play on Cattell Marte, who was trying to bust that was it a open. Beautiful too. play. Whew. Marco writes in in game three, five out of the Diamondbacks starting nine or 25 years older or younger. How about that youth? How about it, Mark? How about it? That's all we've been talking yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and. This is the beginning of, uh, you know, for a long time, I think the Diamondbacks will be in contention. They're going to have their challenges as a mid-market slash small-market team uh, with a lower payroll. But, look, they, they have put themselves in great position moving forward. They're so much fun to watch. Corbin Carroll, friend of the pod, he is awesome out in center field. Nice. Yep. Um, last one for today. John Chacona writes in, can you please consider giving Joey Botto his own segment on your pod or his own podcast? Ooh, he might be the most interesting dude in baseball. That drop about Dusty hit me like a walk-off home run, 3 nothing. So many feels. I mean, that was just incredible stuff that Joey was kind enough to, to send to the show. Well, I've talked to Joey. I'm like, you got to do a book. You got to do something. You, you, mm-hmm. you got to stay in the mix. Um, yeah, really smart guy. Obviously, a ton of perspective. Great storyteller, as uh, you know. One example that was what uh, he told us on Monday's podcast about Dusty. All right, there you have it. Hashtag Bleacher tweets 
on Twitter while you're watching game four. Awesome podcast today, Buster. Great, great job all around team. Sarah, you as well. We got the best out of Sarah Lang's awesome segment in the clown car. I'm excited for uh, we're, we're going to do it again tonight. Did it sound like a clown car? You went through the sound last night. Uh-huh. Pete, could you tell? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I loved at the beginning. You called it the clown car and you got a nice pop from everyone. Rob driving the clown car. Shout out Rob Kelly, our guy. <laughs> and I and I must say, we did that on radio the other night. I think I told you about this. Yeah. We did this radio live when we were in Texas. And it was probably the most unusual radio interview ever because we're just all screaming into the phone, the five or the uh, four of us. <laughs> well, it worked and you guys sounded great and great execution. We got it, Sarah. We got to give a round of applause to Buster for his technical execution there and knowing. Check this out, audience. This is behind. This is deep in the cut knowledge. Buster's recording part of this segment and he knows to stop his recorder because the recording might get weird and let's start a new one. I mean, that is I was so proud of you. Dude. So proud. <laughs> so proud. Nailed so, it. so, so proud. Yeah, it only took me, you know, 30 years to uh, to figure that out, that sometimes you can't <laughs> transmit these long 16 to 18 minute files. Uh, so yeah, cut that one in half. All right. Enough of that. Uh, that's it for today. My thanks to everyone in the clown car, Boog, Jess, Eduardo, Sarah and Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. And we mentioned we didn't mention Sarah Lanks. Uh, thanks to her as well. Remember, hate inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day. Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus Chews provides one and done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NextGuard Plus Chews.